Howdy folks, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Quarantine. I don't know what that was, I'm just in a weird mood today. But anywho, today we're actually like basically redoing an episode and taking a break from our women's rights thing. Just one episode break because we only have two more of those and I couldn't think of anybody to do it on today. So we're doing my redoing allergies, which is completely unrelated, but recently I did um, a project on allergies and I basically just expanded on it a lot more and I learned a lot and I made a magazine which is linked in the description so you can always just read the magazine instead of listening to the episode but I'd appreciate if you kept listening because we're trying to raise money for getting period products installed in my schools so um yeah I mean that's really where all of the profits from this podcast go so it would really be appreciated if you just kept listening thank you um and now first of course we're going to do one minute of headlines to update you in the world around us Alrighty, u.s news one The Mercury News started off this Thursday by stating, Coronavirus, California shatters records for deaths set the previous day. Yikes. 2. CBS News reported dead seals with bite marks wash up on main beaches after woman killed by shark. Again. Yikes. 3. Earlier today, NBC News claimed Florida couple jailed for breaking COVID-19 quarantine as state breaks daily death record. Again. Should I say it again? Yikes. I mean, pe- people, wear a mask. Stay inside. Be safe. World news. 1. AOL informed readers about scientists solving the mystery of the origin of the Stonehenge megaliths. Uh, I read the article and I didn't get it. 2. ABC News published U.S. coronavirus death tolls tops by 150,000. Huh. 3. NPR discussed how Michelle Bolsonaro, Brazil's first lady, so remember her husband doesn't take it seriously, tests positive for coronavirus. Business news. 1. U.S. economy suffers record drop in second quarter, claimed Bloomberg Markets and Finance. Science news. According to Science Magazine, DNA captured by a CRISPR-Cas9 guided adenine-based editor. Cool. Don't know what that means. Other news. And finally, Inhabitant informed us that QuenchC offers low-cost desalination device for humanitarian aid. Yay! Go QuenchC! That's some good news. Now let's jump into the episode with an ad, and then we'll get to the good stuff. Alright, now we're going to talk about oral food challenges. So, allergy challenges is basically a similar concept to oral immunotherapy, and it's given to people whose allergies should not produce any reactions. So it's like if you, if they told you you're allergic to all nuts, but you've never had a terrible reaction when they do skin tests to walnuts, like it's just been a little dye or nothing at all. And so they're like, well, we can just get rid of this allergy entirely. Um, so basically it's used as a way to get rid of the allergy from your records and feel comfortable eating said allergy. These are performed at an allergist's office and the patient is given increasing amounts of the allergen beginning with the tip of a spoon. After 20 minutes with no reaction, one will double the amount. After about two hours, if there is no reaction present, one passed the challenge. If there is a reaction, they wouldn't pass and can occasionally need an epinephrine, which will be discussed 
in a few minutes. Around 95% of people do pass the oral food challenges, though. It's really just um, up to how severe the allergen looks on your tests, and the allergist can make a mistake if it comes to being too severe, but most of the time they're reasonable. Okay, the via skin peanuts. So we're going to talk about this a lot in the next few words. Um, so this is really a new novel thing, and I think it is a really, really good opportunity, and I wanted to just be able to inform people more about it and everything. My mic's being weird, sorry if I'm like making noise to fix it. Um, the via skin peanut, or the peanut patch, is a recent development that has not yet been very publicized and is very recently approved by the FDA um, with some, like, what do you, what is it called? Uh, when you go back and you fix something, that thing. Um, so this information might be contradictory in a few years, but as of 2020, it should be accurate. Um, as of 2020, the peanut patch is a valid option for significantly decreasing reactions to peanuts and maybe avoiding anaphylaxis. In an article published by Spoken, they discuss the relationship between immunotherapy and the Viaskin peanuts technology. The patch containing allergen protein powder is placed in a patient's skin. The patch forms a condensation chamber on the skin, and when the powder combines with sweat, it dissolves into the skin and helps the patient's immune system build a tolerance around the specific allergen. DBV refers to this process as epicutaneous immunotherapy, or EPIT. <laughs> I prefer EPIT. Um, <clears throat> it's been shown that over time, 75% of the children who were given the peanut patch experienced growth in a less anaphylactic experience. To discuss the Vioskin peanut, I spoke to Carrie Kearns, mother of a participant in the initial peanut patch participant. Um, so, yeah, here's, here's the interview. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm talking really fast today. So she's basically, Carrie Kearns is the mother of a participant in Viaskin Peanuts Trials, um, and I think that that's super cool. So we have some inside information. Um, so I'm just going to read off the questions and answers, and it's going to be kind of awkward, but here we go. What allergies does your daughter have? Kimmy is allergic to eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, sesame, peas, and beans. How did you and your daughter get involved in the Viaskin Peanut Trials? I read an article on the patch, and that brought it to our allergy doctor. He told me they were starting the patch trial at Children's Hospital, Colorado, and he offered to give the researchers my information. I met with the trial doctors a few weeks later, and my daughter began the screening process for the trial. How do these trials work? It was a double-blind placebo study. One-third uh, of the participants received the placebo. Two-thirds received the active patch. At the end of 12 months, the results were unblinded, and it was confirmed my daughter had the active patch. There was a food challenge prior to the start of the patch, and another food trial at the end of the first 12 months. My daughter saw a significant increase in the amount of peanuts she could tolerate during this time. The trial she is, uh, was in is now named Peptites, and after the first 12 months, she rolled over to an open-label extension of the trial called People where she received 24 additional months of the active patch. Was your daughter given the placebo or the actual peanut patch? So this is kind of repetitive, but there's some more information here. My daughter received the active patch from day one. The participants who received placebo for the first 12 months were given the active patch as soon as the 12 months were over. So on month 13, all children in the trial had active patches. What was her reaction to the patch? She had large red hives on her back in the area where the patch was applied. It got worse on days that were hot if the patch got wet while she had it on. Did her reaction diminish over time? The hives on her back did lessen over time, 
They also covered a smaller area on her back. Initially, one patch could cause irritation over a 6 by 6 inch area, but by the end of the three years, it would only cover 1 to 2 inches. Has your daughter noticed any changes in her reactions to other allergens? Her blood work is showing that her allergies to peas and beans have gone down significantly, but we haven't done a food challenge to see if those allergies have been fully resolved. And I'm just going to cut in here just to note that, remember, that's the cross-reactivity. Peanuts and legumes are similar, and peas and beans, I think, are both legumes. So, um, that's probably why. <laughs> okay. What was one positive thing and one negative thing about the Viaskin peanut? One positive thing is the amazing team of doctors and nurses we got to work with over a three-year period. They spent many long days together at the hospital, and they really care about the children in the study. The negative is the food challenges. The study participants had to ingest peanuts on three occasions so they could have a reaction and the doctors could measure their peanut intolerance. My daughter did end up needing an EpiPen during one of the three challenges. Is the Vioskin peanut still in use and studied today? If so, what has changed from the trials to its current use? The patch has been submitted for FDA approval. However, the FDA did ask for some revisions, that's the word, and updates to the study data, so, my, so the approval has not gone through at this time. The data from my daughter's first trial, Peptides, is being studied and referenced for the approval. The company also has a milk patch that is being studied and an egg patch that is in the works. The use of the patch is still the same. The only changes have been adjustments to dosing and the adhesive material used on the patch. My daughter's trial was phase three, so she did receive the recommended dose for her age group. And then I asked, is there any other information you'd like to share? And she said, our trial doctors were Dr. David Fleischer, 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 I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Mr. Guy, and Dr. Matthew Greenhot. So that's the virus game peanut. <laughs> I think that's super cool, and um, it's really a good idea for allergies, and so I think this can actually go places. has potential, you know? Um, all right, now we're going to talk about the EpiPen. Whew. So this is, like, this is currently, you know, what we're using. So, a historical discovery. Ahead of its time, the EpiPen was a breakthrough in the allergy world. The EpiPen is a shot that helps stop anaphylaxis. It releases the hormone epinephrine, adrenaline, into the body. When the body naturally has epinephrine, more epinephrine is needed to combat uh, the anaphylactic reaction. Live science states, a person's blood pressure plummets during an anaphylactic reaction because the blood vessels relax and dilate. Epinephrine causes the blood vessels to constrict, which raises blood pressure. According to Myland, the maker of EpiPens, the EpiPen is currently the primary way of stopping an allergic reaction, but there are other types of technology, like the AviQ, that have the same effect. The body requires immediate medical attention after it is put into shock. <clears throat> How to use an EpiPen, and I will talk you through it in just a minute, but first I'm going to read this. If anyone around you has a severe allergic reaction, it's difficult to know what to do, but it's definitely a necessary thing to know. Say your friend has an allergic reaction. First off, how do you know they're having an allergic reaction? A universal way to alert someone that you can't breathe is putting your hands around your throat. If they are having trouble breathing, they may say so, and you might notice some highs around their mouth. Typically, the first step, if they can still breathe, would be to give them a Benadryl, but if they're struggling to breathe, this indicates an anaphylactic reaction, and they should be given the EpiPen right away. Of course, always alert an adult immediately and have someone call 911. Take the cap off the EpiPen. If necessary, you can use it through clothes, but try to expose the person's thigh. 
The person having an allergic reaction should not be standing, but they can sit or lie down. Hold the EpiPen strongly in a fist and swing the EpiPen um, into the thigh, orange part first. You should hear a click. This means that the EpiPen was administered correctly. Hold the EpiPen there for 10 seconds. And then um, in the magazine, I made a video of me demonstrating how to use an EpiPen um, while using a trainer, of course. I wasn't actually going to shoot epinephrine into my veins. Um, and then also I showed how to do an AviQ, which is the similar technology. Uh, the mailman's outside. If you're hearing some weird noise in the background, it's the mailman. Um, but right now I'll just um, talk about the AviQ because I already explained the EpiPen. So the AviQ is very similar to the EpiPen. I think it has the same stuff, but it actually talks you through it, which is great. So I have it right here and I will open the trainer so you get to hear what it says. All right, here we go. This trainer contains no needle or drug and is for training purposes only. Do not use this trainer during an allergic emergency. If you are ready to use, pull red safety guard down and off of this trainer. Place black end against outer thigh. Then push firmly until you hear a click and hiss sound and hold in place for two seconds. Two. One. Training complete. Yep, so oh, it's still talking. Used for training purposes. Replace <laughs> the red safety guard and gray outer case. Awesome, awesome. So, um, yeah, that's that's the oh, I think I didn't put on the red thing. Hold on, if it makes noise, just ignore it. Um but I forgot to put on the red thing. This trainer Shut may up. be reused for training purposes. Replace the red safety guard and gray outer case. All right, I got it. All right, so anywho, yeah, that's the AviQ, and that's really cool because it does the same thing with the actual one, not just the trainer. Um, but if you want to see a really bad video of me trying to explain it by my computer having really low quality, go check that out in the magazine. Um, and then here's a quote that I wrote because I'm just so inspirational that I just, I quote stuff myself now. Um, so I said, if we educate children on how to treat allergies, we would make the world a safer place for so many people. And while I know I just made that sound cheesy, it's true. Um, so let's do just that, you know? In reading magazines or listening to podcasts like these, you are helping educate yourself. But if you share this magazine or podcast with people, you are educating others. Thank you for reading this issue of Your Crash Course, which was a fake magazine name I made up. Remember to stay safe, stay safe and stay smart. And then I have all my references. Um, and I would read you my references, but that's unfortunately not very interesting. So that seems like a good place to end. On to the outro. All right, let's just jump right into it. So what are allergies and how do they work? Allergies are linked to when the immune system overreacts due to a harmless substance. These substances can be peanuts, pollen, latex, or bees. I just picked those four things because they were completely different from each other, but it can be anything. <laughs> the body treats these substances as if they are dangerous, which can lead to an anaphylactic reaction. Anaphylactic reactions can become life-threatening and include, but are not limited to, swelling, trouble breathing, and in a worst-case scenario, shock. Our knowledge on the cause of allergic reactions has changed a lot. When I was a young child, a general rule of thumb from the American Academy of Pediatrics was to avoid milk until age one, egg and peanuts until age two, and fish and tree nuts until age three. According to CNN, recommendations were to avoid allergenic foods until ch children were older. Stukas said. What a fun name, Stukas. 
The thought process at the time was, well, if we avoid any exposure, maybe the allergic response won't develop. Over time, however, it was discovered that if the body was given earlier exposure to the allergens, it would not have to, it would have more time to adapt and the body would not have any allergens. The current reports from the AAP recommend introducing peanuts as early as four to six months of age for infants at high risk of peanut allergy, like so, for example, presence of severe eczema and or uh, egg allergy. For infants at low risk of peanut allergy, so no eczema or food allergy, the panel recommended introduction of peanut-containing food when age-appropriate and depending on family preferences and cultural practices, so i.e. after six months of age if exclusively breastfeeding. So what really uh, resonated with me there is the quote, the current report from the AAP recommends introducing peanuts as early as four or six months because that is a big difference from when I was a child. Here I have three statistics because it's a magazine and it looks all pretty. Um, so more than one half of children with more than two allergies have been bullied about their allergies. Uh, and that's from FARE and the next two are also from FARE. U.S. $25 billion is how much it costs for U.S. families annually to care for children with food allergies. And around 15% of children with food allergies do not go to restaurants. So it is a big problem. It's really impacting people's lives. All right, beyond the external. So the anatomy of allergic reactions. After said, an allergy is an irrational response to a harmless substance, and it's essentially a mistake your immune system makes. When these dangerous substances are discovered, the immune system creates antibodies, or immunoglobin, that remain on the alert for that particular allergen. When you're exposed to the allergen again, these antibodies can release a number of immune system chemicals, such as histamine, that cause allergy symptoms. That's a quote from Mayo Clinic. The end of that was. Types of allergies. No, wait, actually, let's do this first. This or that intolerance. Around 19% of U.S. adults believe that they are allergic to certain foods. That's a quote from Medical News Today. What causes someone to falsely believe they have an allergy? These citizens may have an intolerance or a different, less dangerous type of reaction. Unlike allergies, the immune system is not involved and there is simply a problem digesting the food. Intolerances to substances like lactose and gluten are common, and lots of people have environmental intolerances like grass or a specific kind of tree. In allergies, the body creates an allergic antibody, IgE, or immunoglobin, to try and dispose the food in an allergic reaction, but intolerances have no relationship with IgE. Types of allergies. Allergens are pl plentiful and are not limited to solely food or environmental matter. According to the College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, there are 12 different types of allergies. Food, skin, dust, insect sting, not insect, ugh, insect sting, pet, eye, drug, allergic rhinitis, probably said that wrong, latex, mold, sinus infection, and cockroach. And um, when I did my original podcast on this, I really elaborated by reading a bunch of quotes from some website. So uh, you can always check that out. But um, at first, the cockroach section actually sparked my curiosity, but I immediately discovered that these pests trigger responses in the same way pets do. In this article, I will discuss pet and food allergies. Um, so here's pet. Contrary to popular belief, it is uh, one is not actually allergic to the hair on a dog, rather what is on the hair, such as dander, urine, or saliva. That being said, there is no such thing as a hypoallergenic dog. There are only dogs that may cause less symptoms. I have an allergy to dog saliva, and I break out in hives wherever a dog licks me, which is super annoying. I've never had a dog, but I've always wanted one. Um, and if I was going to get one, I could treat my allergy using immunotherapy, which we will talk about in, uh, in just a minute. Yeah, just a minute. Okay, but first we'll talk about food allergies. 
Medical News Today claims an estimated 26 million or over 10% of U.S. adults do have a food allergy. Clearly, food allergies are very common and it is important to educate citizens with or without allergies of what they are and how to deal with them. Food allergies produce symptoms such as vomiting, hives, shortness of breath, shock, difficulty swallowing, dizziness, and in the worst case scenario, anaphylaxis, an extreme life-threatening response. When the response is anaphylactic, one in turn uses an EpiPen, which contains epinephrine, to shock the body, and I will discuss this more later. Common allergens. The eight most common food allergies are as follows. Eggs, milk, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, wheat, and soy. Because these are so common in the United States, it is required that food manufacturers list these allergies if they are in the product. The labels may say on equipment with, in facility with, or contains, or may contain. So there's lots of different uh, meanings, and I also discussed that in the last one, so I'll just explain that really fast right now. Um, so in a facility with basically means that it is there are peanut products. So, okay, let's just assume we're talking about peanuts because that's what always um, my brain goes to. So um, so say you were at like Hershey's, and I believe Reese's is made in the same place. So it's um, Hershey's bars are going to be made in the facility because it's in the same you know room, but they're not made on the same equipment. Um, and that brings us to our next point on equipment with basically they would be on the same equipment so there could be some cross-contamination um and let's see contains it has it may contain this is the worst label and everybody hates it because you you just have to choose basically not to eat the food but they don't really clarify whether or not it contains so it really just it's annoying (laughs) all right controversial allergens of course not all food allergies are considered as common as top eight the ninth and tenth most common allergies are sesame and mustard seed. Some food companies will not specify whether or not these ingredients are in the food with the top eight, which requires one to go back manually and read the entire list. And that reads to a bigger chance of error due to the small print. Um, and then additionally, like sesame can be hidden in what they just label as spices. And so um, we've never run into this problem in my family because my brother has a sesame allergy, but it is um, sometimes they will not put sesame in there because they want you to eat the food or something ridiculous it's infuriating it's really rude um and life-threatening um so these labels um you know they're dangerous and there's a large controversy regarding this in the allergy community because family with sesame or mustard seed allergies are concerned that corporations aren't being considerate of the threats these can cause individuals Cross-reactivity. So, the organization Anaphylaxis Campaign describes cross-reactivity as a reaction that occurs when the, where the proteins in one food or substance shared characteristics with those in another food or substance. A person who is allergic to one may, they have, may therefore have a positive allergy test to other foods with similar proteins. Uh, an example of this would be the relationship between peanuts and legumes. What a weird word. Assuming someone was allergic to peanuts, it's likely that they'd also be allergic to sesame seeds because that's a legume. We previously discussed how allergy shots, well, we're about to, can significantly decrease and eventually end reactions to pet allergies, but what options are available for food allergy sufferers? Um, Read the column on the right to learn more. Um, So first we're going to talk about immunotherapy, which is allergy shots um, for the pet allergy. So allergy shots or immunotherapy, um, a vaccine, it's basically, okay, think of it this way. A vaccine for a virus contains weakened or dead cells of the virus, so the body's white blood cells can easily beat it. This is effective for the future because the body has been trained and knows how to overcome the virus and eradicate the cells. Allergy shots are a similar concept to this. The body is given a small and gradually increasing particles of the allergen, and the body learns how to combat them. 
there are two phases in immunotherapy, the buildup phase and the maintenance phase. In the buildup phase, which typically lasts a maximum of six months, the shots are consistently increasing in both quantity and the amount of allergen. After the necessary amount is in use, the maintenance phase begins. In this phase, it isn't necessary to have shots so consistently, and over time, the body should stop reacting to the substance. Please note, immunotherapy is not used to fix food allergies, and it is more practiced with allergies like pet allergies. Oral immunotherapy is a similar practice for food allergies. Now we're going to take a quick break and have an ad, and then we'll be back. Alright, now we're going to talk about oral food challenges. So, allergy challenges is basically a similar concept to oral immunotherapy, and it's given to people whose allergies should not produce any reactions. So, it's like if you, if they told you you're allergic to all nuts, but you never had a terrible reaction when they do skin tests to walnuts like it's just been a little dye or nothing at all and so they're like well we can just get rid of this allergy entirely um so basically it's used as a way to get rid of the allergy from your records and feel comfortable eating said allergy these are performed at an allergist's office and the patient is given increasing amounts of the allergen beginning with the tip of a spoon after 20 minutes with no reaction one will double the amount after about two hours, if there is no reaction present, one passed the challenge. If there is a reaction, they wouldn't pass and can occasionally need an epinephrine, which will be discussed in a few minutes. Around 95% of people do pass the oral food challenges, though. It's really just um, up to how severe the allergen looks on your tests, and the allergist can make a mistake if it comes to being too severe, but most of the time they're reasonable. Okay, the Viaskin peanuts. So we're going to talk about this a lot in the next few words. Um, so this is really a new novel thing, and I think it is a really, really good opportunity, and I wanted to just be able to inform people more about it and everything. My mic's being weird. Sorry if I'm, like, making noise to fix it. Um, the Viaskin peanut, or the peanut patch, is a recent development that has not yet been very publicized and is very recently approved by the FDA um, with some, like, what do you, what is it called? Uh, when you go back and you fix something, that thing. Um, so this information might be contradictory in a few years, but as of 2020, it should be accurate. Um, as of 2020, the peanut patch is a valid option for significantly decreasing reactions to peanuts and maybe avoiding anaphylaxis. In an article published by Spoken, they discuss the relationship between immunotherapy and the Viaskin peanuts technology. The patch containing allergen protein powder is placed in a patient's skin. The patch forms a condensation chamber on the skin, and when the powder combines with sweat, it dissolves into the skin and helps the patient's immune system build a tolerance around the specific allergen. DBV refers to this process as epicutaneous immunotherapy, or EPIT. <laughs> I prefer EPIT. Um, <clears throat> it's been shown that over time, 75% of the children who were given the peanut patch experienced growth in a less anaphylactic experience. To discuss the Viaskin peanut, I spoke to Carrie Kearns, mother of a participant in the initial peanut patch participant. Um, so, yeah, here's here's the interview. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Whew, I'm talking really fast today. So, she's basically, Carrie Kearns is the mother of a participant in Viaskin peanuts trials. Um, and I think that that's super cool. So, we have some inside information. Um, so, I'm just going to read off the questions and answers. And it's going to be kind of awkward, but here we go. What allergies does your daughter have? Kimmy is allergic to eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, sesame, peas, and beans. 
How did you and your daughter get involved in the Viaskin peanut trials? I read an article on the patch, and that brought it to our allergy doctor. He told me they were starting the patch trial at Children's Hospital, Colorado, and he offered to give the researchers my information. I met with the trial doctors a few weeks later, and my daughter began the screening process for the trial. How do these trials work? It was a double-blind placebo study. One-third of the participants received placebo. Two-thirds received the active patch. At the end of 12 months, the results were unblinded, and it was confirmed my daughter had the active patch. There was a food challenge prior to the start of the patch and another food trial at the end of the first 12 months. My daughter saw a significant increase in the amount of peanuts she could tolerate during this time. The trial she is, uh, was in is now named Peptites, and after the first 12 months, she rolled over to an open-label extension of the trial called People, where she received 24 additional months of the active patch. Was your daughter given the placebo or the actual peanut patch? So this is kind of repetitive, but there's some more information here. My daughter received the active patch from day one. The participants who received placebo for the first 12 months were given the active patch as soon as the 12 months were over. So on month 13, all children in the trial had active patches. What was her reaction to the patch? She had large red hives on her back in the area where the patch was applied. It got worse on days that were hot if the patch got wet while she had it on. Did her reaction diminish over time? The hives on her back did lessen over time. They also covered a smaller area on her back. Initially, one patch could cause irritation over a 6 by 6 inch area, but by the end of the three years, it would only cover 1 to 2 inches. Has your daughter noticed any changes in her reactions to other allergens? Her blood work is showing that her allergies to peas and beans have gone down significantly, but we haven't done a food challenge to see if those allergies have been fully resolved. And I'm just going to cut in here just to note that, remember, that's the cross-reactivity. Peanuts and legumes are similar, and peas and beans, I think, are both legumes. So um, that's probably why. <laughs> okay. What was one positive thing and one negative thing about the Viaskin peanut? One positive thing is the amazing team of doctors and nurses we got to work with over a three-year period. They spent many long days together at the hospital, and they really care about the children in the study. The negative is the food challenges. The study participants had to ingest peanuts on three occasions so they could have a reaction and the doctors could measure their peanut intolerance. My daughter did end up needing an EpiPen during one of the three challenges. Is the Vioskin peanut still in use and studied today? If so, what has changed from the trials to its current use? The patch has been submitted for FDA approval. However, the FDA did ask for some revisions, that's the word, and updates to the study data, so, my, so the approval has not gone through at this time. The data from my daughter's first trial, Peptides, is being studied and referenced for the approval. The company also has a milk patch that is being studied and an egg patch that is in the works. The use of the patch is still the same. The only changes have been adjustments to dosing and the adhesive material used on the patch. My daughter's trial was phase three, so she did receive the recommended dose for her age group. And then I asked, is there any other information you'd like to share? And she said, our trial doctors were Dr. David Fleischer, 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 I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Mr. Guy, and Dr. Matthew Greenhot. So that's the virus can peanut. <laughs> I think that's super cool, and um, it's really a good idea for allergies, and so I think this can actually go places. It has potential, you know? Um, all right, now we're going to talk about the EpiPen. Whew, so this is, like, 
This is currently, you know, what we're using. So, a historical discovery. Ahead of its time, the EpiPen was a breakthrough in the allergy world. The EpiPen is a shot that helps stop anaphylaxis. It releases the hormone epinephrine, adrenaline, into the body. When the body naturally has epinephrine, more epinephrine is needed to combat uh, the anaphylactic reaction. Live science states, a person's blood pressure plummets during an anaphylactic reaction because the blood vessels relax and dilate. Epinephrine causes the blood vessels to constrict, which raises blood pressure. According to Mylan, the maker of EpiPens, the EpiPen is currently the primary way of stopping an allergic reaction, but there are other types of technology, like the AviQ, that have the same effect. The body requires immediate medical attention after it is put into shock. <clears throat> How to use an EpiPen, and I will talk you through it in just a minute, but first I'm going to read this. If anyone around you has a severe allergic reaction, it's difficult to know what to do, but it's definitely a necessary thing to know. Say your friend has an allergic reaction. First off, how do you know they're having an allergic reaction? A universal way to alert someone that you can't breathe is putting your hands around your throat. If they are having trouble breathing, they may say so, and you might notice some highs around their mouth. Typically, the first step, if they can still breathe, would be to give them a Benadryl, but if they're struggling to breathe, this indicates an anaphylactic reaction, and they should be given the EpiPen right away. Of course, always alert an adult immediately and have someone call 911. Take the cap off the EpiPen. If necessary, you can use it through clothes, but try to expose the person's thigh. The person having an allergic reaction should not be standing, but they can sit or lie down. Hold the EpiPen strongly in a fist and swing the EpiPen um, into the thigh, orange part first. You should hear a click. This means that the EpiPen was administered correctly. Hold the EpiPen there for 10 seconds. And then um, in the magazine, I made a video of me demonstrating how to use an EpiPen um, while using a trainer. Of course, I wasn't actually going to shoot epinephrine into my veins. Um, and then also I showed how to do an AviQ, which is the similar technology. Uh, the mailman's outside. If you're hearing some weird noise in the background, it's the mailman. Um, but right now I'll just um, talk about the AviQ because I already explained the EpiPen. So the AviQ is very similar to the EpiPen. I think it has the same stuff, but it actually talks you through it, which is great. So I have it right here and I will open the trainer so you get to hear what it says. All right, here we go. This trainer contains no needle or drug and is for training purposes only. Do not use this trainer during an allergic emergency. If you are ready to use, pull red safety guard down and off of this trainer. Place black end against outer thigh. Then push firmly until you hear a click and hiss sound and hold in place for two seconds. Two, one. Training complete. Yep, so this trainer oh, it's may still be talking. Used for training purposes. Replace the red safety guard and gray outer case. Awesome, awesome. So, um, yeah, that's that's the. Oh, I think I didn't put on the red thing. Hold on, if it makes noise, just ignore it. Um, but I forgot to put on the red thing. This trainer Shut may up. be reused for training purposes. Replace the red safety guard and gray outer case. All right, I got it. All right, so anywho, yeah, that's the AviQ, and that's really cool because it does the same thing with the actual, not just the trainer. Um, but if you want to see a really bad video of me trying to explain it by my computer having really low quality, go check that out in the magazine. 
Um, and then here's a quote that I wrote because I'm just so inspirational that I just, I quote stuff myself now. Um, so I said, if we educate children on how to treat allergies, we would make the world a safer place for so many people. And while I know I just made that sound cheesy, it's true. Um, so let's do just that, you know? In reading magazines or listening to podcasts like these, you are helping educate yourself. But if you share this magazine or podcast with people, you are educating others. Thank you for reading this issue of Your Crash Course, which was a fake magazine name I made up. Remember to stay safe, stay safe and stay smart. And then I have all my references. Um, and I would read you my references, but that's unfortunately not very interesting. So that seems like a good place to end. On to the outro. <laughs> that's it uh, i hope you liked it hope you learned something enjoyed the allergy stuff um but if you like this podcast remember we are trying to raise money for getting my school period products and it would we really appreciate if you support us with monthly donations or just share the podcast or review it and whatnot because um we're not directly actually allowed to ask for money it's just don't tell um but um but if you were to help us out with just you know listening and sharing and reviewing it's really going to help us get more listens and then that's going to help increase our money um, and our profits and so we'd really appreciate that or you can help us by uh buying our merchandise um or other stuff on redbubble all that's in the link uh below with our show notes Alrighty, um join us on tuesday for an episode about um i can never choose what i want to do an episode about all right i'll think of it soon if you have any questions, you can send us voice messages on our website at quarantinepod.com. And that's also all of our socials are quarantinepod. We're also on the Wix app, so you can check our updates there too. Thank you so much for listening and join us on Tuesday. A special thanks to Knockback and Anchor for sponsoring the podcast and Wix for the amazing website creation tools. Also, thank you to our many streaming platforms. Uh, uh, Acast, Altop, Apple Podcasts, Audioverse, Anchor, Breaker, Bullhorn, Castbox, Deezer, Fit, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, iHeartRadio, Listen Up, Listen Notes, Mahalan, Overcast, Player FM, Plex, Pocketcast, Poppy, Podcast Addict, Podcast Land, Podcast Republic, Podchaser, Radio Public, SoundCloud, Spotify, Springer, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Have a good day. <laughs>